0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. How are you guys? I am doing so much better than I was last week. I'm not going to lie. Last week was one of those ones where I had to be like, I will see his goodness um, because it didn't feel good. That's why it's really important that you don't live by your feelings. If you live by your feelings, you get sidetracked so fast, so fast, because feelings will lie to you so quickly. They're so dependent on so many things that aren't God. And if we're not careful, we'll let let a voice that should have no place in our life have the loudest place in our life. You know, because there's a lot of voices speaking. We're going to take up our offering real quick before I get too far gone, because then we won't get to it. And And then you guys will have to take your blessing home with you and save it for next week, and you don't want to do that. So God, we just thank you that we have something to give, Father God. We thank you that we live with our lives with open hands. God, that we stand before you and say everything, God, not just our finances. That's the least of the blessings you've given us, God. But this life, the very first blessing, when you breathe life into us, God, that that we stand before you with our hands open and we say it's yours. Have it all. God, our relationships the giftings and the skills that You've given us, the time that You've given us, our resources, God, everything. We stand before You and say, God, it's all Yours. Everything we have. And we're happy to be able to give back to You who's given so much to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Because we really are happy to give. We're happy to have something to give back. But, but there's a lot of voices that speak. And if we're not careful, we'll let the most influential voice not be the most important voice. You know, because just because it's the most important voice doesn't mean it's the most influential voice in your life. You know, you think about it. You take a, a real, real uh, easy example to understand. You take a, a little kid. Now, when you're six years old, your parents' voice is the most important voice in your life. They're the one that God placed you in the charge of. You're, they're the one that God commanded you to honor. He said if you would honor them, that it would go well with you. And so, they are the most important voice. They represent the voice of God in your life because you're not at the age of understanding yet. And so what they say goes. And so, so when, when you're six or you're five years old and you walk over and you look at the stove and the stove has this bright, shiny orange thing. And it just looks so cool you want to touch it. And you, you, you start walking towards it and mom's watching. And you get up and you go to it and mom says, no, don't touch that. That's the most important voice that you could listen to because she knows better. She has your best interest in mind and all she wants to do is see you keep from getting yourself into a place where you're harmed, where you get hurt. That's it. It's not for her own good. I mean, obviously it hurts her when you're hurt, just like the father. But she has your best interest in mind and she should be the most important voice at that moment. But what happens when mom leaves the room and little brother walks in? And a friend walk in, and the three of you are now standing looking at the glowing orange orb. And it is so beautiful. And it looks so smooth. And you just don't understand why something like that could be bad. And as you got close to it, you could feel it was even warm. And it's a little chilly outside. And and, and then the little brother says, touch it. (laughs) And suddenly the most influential voice in your life is no longer the most important voice because it's the one you're listening to. And all of a sudden, that little voice that says, touch it, has more influence than the mother who said, don't touch that, it'll hurt you. And the voice you listen to and the voice you yield to is the most influential in your life, whether it's the most important voice or not. How many of you guys realize that we've been talking about spiritual giftings and we started talking about prophecy, which led us to talking about the fact that God speaks? And so, today I just want to talk about the fact that there's a lot of voices speaking every single day. If we believe that God still speaks, we have to believe that all the other voices who have spoken throughout time are still speaking. And if we believe all those other voices reversely, if we believe all those other voices, if we believe the enemy hasn't shut his mouth, then God probably hasn't either. So I just want to talk about, I, I've kind of divided them into four. There's probably a, 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 a preacher out there who has this really great list and they're numbered with seven or some heavenly number, but, but I divided them into four voices that I, that I can relate with that we hear from on a regular basis. Um, and so for the first one, for the sake of discussion, we'll just call this one the world. And this one here would be like, uh, it's, it's basically everything that we interact with every day. It's all the voices we come into contact with out in the world every single day. It's friends, it's family, it's bosses, it's teachers, employers, it's the television, it's the newspaper, it's the internet articles you read. It's all the information that is constantly coming to us in the course of a day. And we're just going to call that voice the world. Um, and, so it's, it's, and some of these voices are not bad or evil voices. In fact, some of them are, are people who genuinely love you and care about you. Mom was a a voice in the world to that child, but at that moment when she spoke, it was the heart of God coming out of her mouth. Just because it's not actually God Himself speaking doesn't mean that they're not speaking on God's behalf. Sometimes, people step into the place of speaking on behalf of God, which is simply what we call prophecy. It's not as weird and spooky as we've made it to be. It's simply to know something the Father wants to say to somebody and to open your mouth and speak on His behalf into their life. And so, we're going to call those voices the world, right? And, and, and so, I want to just say real quick before we move on, and because we're going to get back to these, but be real careful about the voices you choose to put into your life. Yeah, because there's a lot of voices that you don't get to choose. You know, you don't, you don't get to choose the, the the employer's voice in your life. You don't get to choose... Um, A family. You don't get to choose what you hear when you're out in public. You don't get to choose what the random stranger that decides to walk up to you and just say something to you says. You don't get to choose a lot of things. If you're taking school classes, you've got to listen to the person they put in as your teacher. So there's so many voices out there that you don't get to choose that when you do get a chance to choose, be really careful and make sure you choose wisely. Don't choose something that's going to add to confusion and chaos. Choose something that's going to bring peace and truth. Choose a voice that, that, that's actually speaking something that sounds like the Father and that's why it's so important to know what God sounds like. What does God say? What does God believe about me? What has He spoke about me? What is His heart for me? What's His will for me? His desire for me? Because if I have no idea what that is, then when people speak, I have no filter to run it through. But if I understand the Father, then when the people are speaking, I know that sounds like my dad. And we begin to understand and we begin to, to familiarize ourselves with voices. So, uh, the second voice is the voice of the enemy. This is Satan. He's, he's the, the second voice that ever speaks to humanity. The first is God. I love you. You're my crowning creation. Everything here is good. You can eat anything you want. Everything is for your, to, you to use. Just don't eat that fruit over there. The second voice. Did God really say... Did God really say you can't eat anything? It's the second voice that man hears. A lot of times after God speaks something really clearly to us, the second voice we hear will be that of the enemy. Think about Jesus. Gets baptized by John the Baptist. A voice comes down from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The next voice he hears in the wilderness, the devil comes to him if you're really the Son of God. What is He doing? He's trying to steal the very thing that God spoke into into Jesus' life. God said, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The next voice He hears is a voice questioning if you're really the Son of God. Why? Because if He can get you to question what God spoke, He knows that He can get your actions to follow. Because the minute you forget what God spoke to you, the minute you forget that truth, and you start living by anything else other than the truth of God's word, your actions will follow suit, and your life will look nothing like what God spoke over your life, and it's not the Father's fault because his words are always true. And so in the garden, voice they hear, God, the next voice they hear, the enemy. And the enemy is always speaking, he's always looking for a way in, he always wants, he has one goal. That's it. People talk about you know his, well, his favorite trick. He doesn't have a favorite trick. He doesn't care what it takes to snag you and snare you. He just wants to reproduce himself in you. He wants to make you look like him. That's it. He's hopeless. He's full of despair. He knows that he's been defeated. And he would love to get you to live in a place where you live with the same mentality that he does. I'll tell you another thing too. He's obsessed with your past. He is. He is obsessed with your past because He can't determine your future unless He can get you to live out of your past. If He can get you to live out of your past, then He can influence your future. But if you will let your future be shaped by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God, then He has no place in my future because He's a defeated foe. He's obsessed with it. I promise you. He will will try so hard to get you to live as though you were the person who did the things. That's why Jesus was so obsessed with making us a new creation. That's why He gave His life for it. It's why Paul was so obsessed that we would know. It's why the man who dragged off the church and had them killed stood and wrote a letter to be read to the very same Christians that said, receive us. We have wronged no one. How could a man who had lived his life to persecute the church talk to the very same church and say, receive us, we've wronged no one. Because he really believed that the man that he was died and the man that he was was not the same person and that he would never again answer to God for the things that he did. Why would he ever answer to man for the things he did either? That if the one who knows all said that's not who you are anymore, that you're a new creation in Christ, why on earth would he let a man hold him responsible for the very same things? He really believed it. It's why he lived his life the way that he did because he understood the Gospel. It's why it was such good news to him. It's good news. And so, so the enemy is always going to speak, right? And sometimes people, just like can speak on behalf of God, sometimes people speak on behalf of the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the voice of condemnation. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves being the voice of condemnation and the voice of the accuser into people's lives. And just like we can echo the heart and thoughts of the Father towards people, we can echo the heart and thoughts of the enemy towards people. He's got, he does a great job. He really does. He's, he's, he's good at what He does. He doesn't need our help. He does not need you and I to open our mouths and speak things that echo the heart of, of the accuser towards us. And so the third is the voice of God. This is the most important voice. Um... It's the heart of the Father. It's the Good Shepherd. It's the voice of love, the voice of truth. He has one reason for speaking to us. He's obsessed with one thing. Reproducing Himself in us. There's two kingdoms that really want to reproduce themselves inside of you. There's the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of the enemy. He's the prince and power of the air, the ruler of this world. But Jesus said, now today, the ruler of this world has been cast down. And he really, really wants to reproduce himself inside of you, but there's good news. The king, the king, the rightful king, the only king, wants to reproduce himself inside of you. And all either of them need is our permission. That's it. Jesus, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I'll make my home with them. And I'll be with them. What's he saying? Look, all I need is your permission. I want to come inside of you. I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. And all I need is your permission. But there's an enemy out there, and he wants to do the exact same thing. And all he can think is, all I need is your permission. We talked about this last week. I'm telling you guys, listen to me. When the Bible says don't give the enemy a foothold, it's because he can't take one in your life. But he will take every single one you give him. He doesn't miss. That's why we live our lives with no compromise. That's why we live our lives with our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Looking at Him as the standard. Not looking around at other people. Paul says when we judge ourselves compared to others, we do ourselves really, really a a disservice. We do ourselves harm when we do that. Why? Because you can always find somebody worse than you to make yourself feel better. Worse than you in your eyes, right? To justify the way that you live. Well, the Pharisees did it. Thank you God that I'm not like the tax collector. What were they saying? They heard the voice of the accuser. Why? They lived by the law. The law condemns. The Spirit gives. life. So they lived with condemnation. Why? Because their righteousness was only as good as they were doing. They could only feel as righteous as their actions. That was it. That was the best they had. They lived by the law. And so because of that, the accuser had a voice in them because they weren't perfect. They weren't the spotless lamb. Only Jesus was. Only Jesus had the ability to live His life completely perfect without any place for the accuser to come and make condemnation against Him. And so the Pharisees constantly lived with condemnation. So what they did a lot of times was rather than calling them, sa- asking God, God, what do I do? Instead of humbling themselves and going to Jesus and saying, how is it that you're able to live this way? How is it that you can say the devil has no part in you? See, a lot of times we hear someone say something and rather than go to them and ask them, how can you say that? We find a reason why they shouldn't be able to. So they did with Jesus. Who does he think he is? Who do you think you are? How can you say? How can you do? What right do you? And all they're doing is saying, your life challenges me, and rather than asking myself how I can live where you live, I'm going to ask you how you dare to say that you live where you do because I don't believe you. Because if I believed you, then I would have to ask myself why I'm not. And it's a whole lot easier to throw stones at you than to ask myself that question. So they live with condemnation. So what do they do? They look around. They find somebody who's living worse than they are. And rather than saying, God, I thank You that You sent Your Son. I thank You, God, that You love me. I thank You that You've called me as Your own. I thank You that You said though my sins were scarlet, they'd be white as snow. I thank You that You said You would take the heart of stone from me and give me a heart of flesh and draw draw your Your law upon my heart. Instead of doing that, they looked around. They found somebody worse than them and their prayer was, God, I thank You that I'm not like the tax collector. So, when the two of them wanting to reproduce themselves inside, the two of them are constantly speaking. And that brings us to the the fourth voice, which is probably the most influential voice in our lives, and that's our own. That's the constant dialogue that you have running in your head. That's as I'm preaching this message, what you're thinking and the way you're hearing and your filter. Everything's coming in through the way that you believe, the way, what you've put your faith in, what you know to be true about yourself. And, and, and the voice that you hear inside of your head is shaped by the, by the voice that you listen to. So if you make the most important voice, which is God's, the, the most influential in your life, then the thoughts that you think will start to sound like the thoughts that he thinks towards you. The things that you say about yourself will start to line up with the things He says about you. So He says you're righteous. I know we talk about this a lot, but you know what? You hear it in here for, for an hour on Sunday, and then you go out into the world and there's an enemy that is, that is dead set on making sure that you don't believe that. So it's no trouble for me to repeat myself again to you, just like Paul said. But His Word says you're righteous. You're, he is able to present you before the Father holy, blameless, upright, beyond reproach. That's the truth about your life. That's the truth that the Word of God speaks about you. And if you actually believe that, then all of a sudden, what you say about yourself sounds like what He says about you. And so when you say, when you're you're before Him, it's, God, I thank You that I'm righteous because You've made me righteous. God, I thank You that You said that I'm holy and blameless and above reproach. Father, I'm so thankful that my life is not dependent on me being perfect, but I can live in the perfection of Jesus Christ and that He presents me before You blameless. God, I thank You that You said that I'm holy. You actually called me that. I read it in Your Word, Father. It has to be true. You said that I'm holy. Don't you know that you're His temple and His temple is holy and that is what you are? That's talking about me. And all of a sudden you get excited, see, because your thoughts are lining up with His thoughts. Remember he said, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of good. Remember he said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you are as countless as grains of sin and they're all good. So that means that he has tons of good thoughts about you. The problem is, is if you don't believe what he says, it might as well be that he doesn't say it. Because until you actually believe it and it changes the way that you think, the dialogue that's running in your head, the conversation you have yourself. Have you ever, listen, anybody ever been in a place where you thought there was something that disqualified you from a promise that God had made? Anybody? Listen, uh, yeah, most of us have, right? So, so here's what happens. What happens is, is, because of this dialogue that's shaped by the voice of the accuser who's obsessed with your past, he's always talking about your past. Even when he wants to try to disqualify you from the future, it's always going to be based on your past. And so, truth is being spoke into your life. And because you have this constant dialogue running in your head that's being fed by the enemy... You disqualify yourself, and you don't believe it, and you think thoughts like this, but if they only knew. Yeah, they say that, but they don't know. Yeah, who cares what they don't know as long as what they do know was spoke by the Father. But we're so busy disqualifying ourselves because we have these voices that we listen to, and the one that we give the most influence is not always the one that's the most important. And we listen to so many things that aren't God. So many things that are not God. We listen to on a daily basis when His Word is screaming truth to us. When people who are filled with the Spirit are screaming truth to us. You ever sat with somebody and just spoke truth straight to them and they look at you and they have no grid to receive it. You know what you're dealing with? You're dealing with somebody who has let the voice of the accuser shape the way that they think. And that's become their filter. And they can't even receive the truth because they're so busy disqualifying themselves the whole time you're speaking. Oh, it's frustrating. The good news is, the Spirit of God is so much more committed to them receiving the truth than you are, that even after you leave, that seed was planted. And then a little later, someone comes along and waters it by the same thing. And then all of a sudden, God brings about that increase. And, and, and years down the road, there's fruit in their lives. And you don't get to see it a lot of times. And if you counted your, your effectiveness based on what you saw in the moment, you would often feel like a failure. If a farmer sowed a field of seed of corn and came back the next day and judged his, the, the success of what he did by what he saw the next day, he would walk away with his head hung low feeling like an absolute failure every single time. But he doesn't because he understands something. There's seed in the ground. And there's a law that says that that seed will reproduce after its own kind. So what kind of seed did you sow into them? If it was led by the Spirit, guess what kind of fruit is going to produce in their life? spiritual fruit it'll be fruit by the holy spirit so um if you have your bibles we'll make it official we'll go to the bible and, and prove it matthew chapter 16 um, verse 13 is this making sense to anybody yeah awesome <laughs> i over <laughs> i overdid it during worship a little bit and i should have saved my voice but i can't help it <laughs> I can not I told myself I'm like I'm just going to stand there and not going to jump around and I'm probably not going to sing a lot cuz I want to save my voice and then the song started. So Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 says um, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he was asking his disciples who do people say the son of man is? And they said some say John the Baptist and others Elijah but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter Peter answered, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then He warned the disciples that they should tell no one that He was the Christ. God, I thank You for Your Word. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that You would come and speak to us. That this would not just be information that we receive, but it would be revelation. That the seed of truth of God's Word would go into our hearts. That our ears would be open to hear, our minds to understand. God, You said in Your Word that we have the mind of Christ. That a spiritual man can discern spiritual things. So, God, we just take you at your word and say, let us understand what you have to say today. In Jesus' name. So, so he's walking with the disciples, and he's starting to get towards the end of his ministry with them. And he just looks at him and casually asks him a question. He says, Who do men say I am? They look at him and say, Well, some people say you're. Elijah. Some people say you're this prophet. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. None of these answers are evil. Like a lot of times, we think that that deceptive voices are going to sound evil, like a, like with a snake tongue, you know, and just be. Comp- but a lot of times, the things that it's just the little twist. It's the little twist of truth that sound good. They sound innocent. It sounds okay. Like these were great men in the kingdom. Anybody would have loved to have been compared to Jeremiah or John the Baptist. Jesus said that John the Baptist was a prophet and the greatest prophet. And so it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't evil. It just wasn't true. Be really careful when the voices around you are speaking that just because it sounds okay or good or not evil, you don't accept it as truth. Because it's the little twist. Paul said, be careful of the fine-sounding arguments. What's he meaning? It's not going to sound like the enemy with a nasty, raspy voice and a forked tongue. It's going to sound like truth. Those are the things that you have to be afraid of. Not afraid of, but be careful of. Be watchful over. Beware of. Beware of the fine-sounding arguments. It's the ones that sound good. It's got a lot of truth maybe and a little twist. Or it's got a little flattery in it. You know, or, or it just sounds good. Some say you're John, and so none of these things are evil. But it just shows that the that the that the um, disciples who lived in the world heard the voices in the world. It's not like they said, "We don't know what men say. We don't listen to what men say." You're, you're in the world. You're not of it, but you're in the world. You're gonna hear what men say. You're gonna hear what people say. Whether or not that influences what you believe is your choice. But whether or not you hear what they say is not. You're going to hear it. So they said, <laughs> they said Well, you're uh, some say this and some say that. And he says to them, Who do you say that I am? In other words, okay, I understand that you guys now, I, I know that you guys have heard what the world thinks, but here's what really matters. What do you think? You've given me the opinions of men. They obviously have found a place in your ear. You've heard what the world thinks, but here's the important question: It's not so much what the world says. It's not so much what men say. Here's the question that every one of us has to answer at some point in our lives: What do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, "You're the Christ. You're the Son of the Living God." And Jesus gets excited. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. You didn't hear this from a person. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. What's he saying? Oh, you're blessed, Peter, because in a, vo- in a world full of voices where everybody has an opinion, you've listened to the voice of truth and you've heard from my Father. <laughs> and then he says, and I tell you that your name is now Peter, which means the rock. And on this rock, not the rock of Peter, this rock, what rock? The thing He just talked about. Receiving revelation directly from the Father. Not being revealed by flesh and blood. On that rock, I'll build My church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So, So, Peter hears what the world says, but he hears a different voice, and he understands it to be the voice of truth. And it's the Spirit of God inside of him, or or upon him, around him, that's speaking to him, that's showing him who Jesus really is. And it's not as if they had never heard this before. This is the crazy thing. Remember when they went to the man of the Gadarenes? What did he say? What do you want from Me, Son of the living God? When when John the Baptist sees Him, what does he shout for all the world to hear? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They had heard this stuff many times before. What do you want from us, Son of David? Why have you come to torment us before your time? What business do we have with you, Son of God? They'd heard Him called Son of God over and over again by demons and and demoniacs and people. And John the Baptist declared who He was. They had heard all this before. And you can hear truth all of your life. Remember in, in Proverbs, it says, Wisdom is crying out in the streets. But until the Spirit of God takes it and makes it revelation to you, it does you no good. And that's why Jesus was so excited. Because He said, you're, you're living in a place now where you're hearing directly from My Father, not having to hear it through another human being. That doesn't mean we can't be taught by humans. It just means be really careful that you don't listen to what someone else says and allow it to become information that you know and not revelation that changes and transforms your life. This is what Jesus was excited about. Why? Because something that the Father shows you will change the way that you live. That's why Peter could actually then go to a cross and be hung upside down, laughing. Because he had revelation of who Jesus was and it wasn't given to him by a human. It couldn't be taken from him by anyone or anything because it came directly from the mouth of the Father. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of the Father. And so, in Romans 12, um, Paul's writing, he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve that what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 13, this is what He said. I love this verse and I love it in this context. He says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of Mine, and He will disclose it to you. So what does this look like? Well, where does the Spirit of God live? He lives inside of you. He's in you and He's upon you. He says... He will speak what he hears. In other words, the Spirit of God is inside of you. And when you're around and you hear stuff preached, and you hear stuff spoke, you hear stuff taught, you read things, and it's truth. The Spirit of God grabs a hold of that and He reveals it to you as revelation. He takes what was coming in His information and He goes, that's true. And if we're listening we'll hear the Spirit actually speak to us and bear witness to what we're hearing. And it goes from simply being information from the mouth of a man to being revelation from the heart of God. But here's the thing we have to be careful of, is that we're actually yielding ourselves every day to the, to the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit so that He can actually speak to us and we hear Him. Because just because He's taking that information and trying to show us that it's true, doesn't mean that we're actually paying attention and hearing We also have to be careful that what we know doesn't trump what God speaks. Think about if they would have let what they believe be influenced by what people said more than what they heard God say. Just think about it. There was plenty of opinions out there they could have grabbed onto any one of them. Oh, he's the reincarnation of John the Baptist. That was a popular one at the time. He's John the Baptist. He's the reincarnation of one of the prophets. That's another popular one. And any one of those opinions they could have grabbed a hold of and any one of those opinions would have kept them from actually knowing the truth and being set free by it. So, um, so Jesus is, what is he's saying basically this. He's saying the Holy Spirit lives in you and when He hears truth, He'll reveal it to you. All we have to do, the only thing that's on us, the only part that's our part to play in it is to actually be living, yielded to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit and listening for His voice. You know it when someone's speaking truth to you and all of a sudden the Spirit inside of you goes, that's true. You know it. You feel it. You feel truth. It makes an impact on you. You actually can tell when God takes something, when the Spirit says, that's true, and puts its finger on something. And all of a sudden it bears witness with your spirit and the Spirit of God inside of you is bearing witness to what's being spoke to you. And you may not even know the person. And, but you know, or you know when it's not. You know when it's flattery. You know when someone has an agenda and you don't even know them sometimes and they come up to you and they start speaking and something inside of you, something all of a sudden just rises up and you go, wait a minute, that's not true. You could be talking, I, bet I was having a conversation with someone on the phone and they said something to me and instantly I heard the Spirit of God say, that's not true. That's not true. I sat and had a meeting with someone and looked at their face and they said something to me and instantly inside of me, I knew that's not true. They just lied. Got home, relayed the story to my wife. I didn't even get it out of my mouth. I said what they said. She looked at me and said, That's a lie. Later, I was talking to a friend, Dr. Carl. Relayed to him the story, told him what they said. He looked at me before I said anything and said, That's a lie. Why? Because the same spirit lives inside of every single one of us, and it knows truth when it hears it, and it bears witness to truth. And He is really, really, really desiring to keep you from being deceived. But you have to actually yield yourself to His voice and to be listening and to be sensitive to the Spirit of God inside of you. And as you learn His voice, you learn to hear what's Him and what's not. And it starts to become something that's automatic. But everything that's automatic starts with being very intentional. See, there was a time in my life where I had to really like, listen and try to discern, is this God, is this not? Now I know when it's God speaking to me and I know when it's not God speaking to me. But it's because of doing it and learning His voice for so long. It's like my wife, when I first met her when she called, I didn't really know her voice as well as I do now. So if somebody would have called me and they could imitate her voice... I probably would have went along with it and believed them because I didn't know her the way I know her now. I knew what her voice sounded like, but I didn't know her know her. Now I know her to the point that even if someone had a computer program that could completely replicate her voice perfectly, because I know her, I know the way she speaks to me, I know the way she talks, I know the way she thinks, I know what she sounds like, I know all those things, I know her so well that even if it sounded just like her voice, I'd know if it was her or not really quickly because I know her more than I just know her voice and that's where we have to get to a place with the father where we know him as much as we know his voice because then it becomes really easy to know when it's him and when it's not all right jump ahead real quick and 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 so so we saw how how we can hear the world that's the outside voices speak we saw how we can hear God speak and I, I love that God is so brilliant He's so brilliant when, he, when, he, when, he, when he, we have these stories in Scripture because if you, if you just jump forward a little bit to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and, and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to You but he turned and said to peter get behind me satan for you're a stumbling block for me to me for you are not setting your mind on god's interest but man's so here's the same peter who just a few verses earlier heard the father and i love that god used peter for both examples why because just because you hear god once doesn't mean every voice you hear from that point on is going to be god there's no coasting in the kingdom Just because you got something straight from the Father that made Jesus so excited doesn't mean that the next voice you hear isn't going to be the voice of the enemy. It's so funny when you start reading through the Scripture and looking for it, how often you'll see when someone hears God's voice, the next voice they hear is the voice of the enemy. Jesus was brilliant at knowing which was which. This is why He didn't fall for it. But Adam and Eve fell for it. Peter fell for it. Because now, Peter, he says... He says he began to speak to them in another, in John's gospel, it says, now he began to speak to them plainly. In other words, now he was beginning to just not use riddles and parables, but he was just telling them directly, hey guys, here's the deal. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. And all of a sudden, Peter's like, he says he pulled him aside. Like, Jesus, I need to talk to you. It's what he did. This is the thing about Peter. If he believes something, he went for it. So he says, that's not going to happen. So he pulls him aside and he begins to rebuke Jesus. And he says, God forbid it, Lord. (laughs) Think about that. God forbid it, Lord. (laughs) You're the Christ, (laughs) the Son of the living God. This was just a few minutes earlier. He's telling them. He's hearing directly from the Father. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. A few minutes later, He's listening to the voice of the enemy. And we know He listened to the voice of the enemy because Jesus' response is He says He turned and said to Peter. And some people say, well, He, he, he didn't really say it to Peter. Yes, He did. The Bible says He said it to Peter. But He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was telling Peter, you're listening to the wrong voice. He looks right at the voice that was speaking through Peter. There will be times in your life where the enemy speaks through people. If he tried it with Jesus, trust me, he'll try it with you. If he thought it would work against Jesus, he thinks it will work against you. So he says, get behind me, Satan, for you're a stumbling block to me. And then he tells Peter the reason why this happened. I never saw this before. He says, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. In other words, Peter, you're listening to the wrong voice. And here's how he got in. You're thinking for yourself. You're not thinking for God. You're thinking selfishly. You're not thinking for the Father. Here's how he got a voice in your life, Peter. Selfishness. Think about it. Peter has followed Jesus. Peter is a zealot. Peter thinks that Jesus is going to overtake the Roman Empire, become the crowned king, and rule. And of course, it makes sense to Peter being he's one of his closest friends and right-hand man and the guy that always steps up, the guy that always gets out of the boat, the one who's the rock. It makes sense to Peter that when Jesus does this, he'll have a position of power and authority within his kingdom. They all thought that. That's why they were asking him, When your kingdom comes, let it be given to us to sit at your right and one at your left hand. What were they saying? We want to rule with you. We want authority with you. They saw someone who they thought was going to have earthly authority and they wanted to make sure it was established before the transition. Because once he gets in the palace, maybe he'll be busy. Maybe there'll be a bunch of other people around. Maybe there'll be Romans who are smarter than us. Maybe there'll be other people vying for his attention. So let's get this settled now so that he has to keep his word when he gets on the throne. Let us sit at your right and your left hand. And Peter, I can just hear it. I can just hear Satan. You can't let that happen. Peter, you can't let him be killed. If he's killed, what's going to happen to you? If he's killed, who's going to be the king? And what if it's someone that doesn't even know you? What if it's someone that doesn't respect you? What if it's someone that doesn't like fishermen? Peter... You can't let that happen because if he dies, so does your chance to be in the palace and to rule and reign with him. Peter, you can't let that happen. It's the enemy. What's he doing? He's coming along. He's playing off of Peter's desire to be with Jesus. And he's turning it into something evil because self gets involved. And he says, Peter, you're thinking for the thoughts of man and not of God. And I know that's true because of that. And the next thing he says, then Jesus said to His disciples, if anyone wishes to come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. So here's Jesus. I'm going to close with this. And here's Jesus who who just got done telling Peter, you're thinking selfishly. The next thing that comes out of His mouth is, if you guys want to follow Me, you're going to have to deny yourself. What's He saying? Unless you actually deny yourself, It's going to be impossible for you to follow me because you're always going to give a voice to the wrong voice. You're always going to give a place to the wrong voice in your life. And when you're living for yourself, you open yourself up to hearing from the enemy because he'll come along and he'll play on your selfish desires. You open yourself up to receiving words that aren't even true. People can flatter you so easily when you're living selfishly because all you want to hear is something about you. Because all you want to hear is something about your destiny and how amazing you are. Listen, it's awesome when people come with a true word from God to speak to you about those things. And if you're living denied to self and alive for Him and someone comes along, all it does is just reinforce the things that God's already showing you. But if you're living for yourself, you can be manipulated and you can actually get something so wrong two minutes after getting something so right. Because in that moment of selfishness, Peter... Grabbed on to a word from the enemy. He just heard the voice of God. You ever been there where it's like you just were on top of the mountain? And you're laying down in the valley licking your wounds going, how did I get here? Self was probably involved in there somewhere. Elijah makes it rain. Brings fire from the sky. Races a chariot. Defeats it. Literally. Beats horses down a mountain. After any one of those things, we would write a book. Right? Like the time I made it rain. The fire anointing. We'd have conferences. Right? Like the... The the supernatural power of a speedy runner. Like, all these different things would be going on if we had one. He had three in one day. Not only that, but he, he, He killed 400 prophets of Baal. A single man. We'd have the 400. It'd be a movie. One of these things. I'm serious. One of these things in the course of a day would be an amazing event for any of us. He has all four things happen in the course of a few hours. And here's Jezebel. Here's the voice of the enemy through the queen. Say, what has he done to these prophets? I will not sleep until I've done the same to him. And he hears that this woman wants to kill him. And suddenly, he goes and crawls off into a corner, lays in a hole and says, let me die. I'm no better than my fathers." How do you go from there to here? You start listening to the wrong voice. You start giving a place to a voice that's not His. And a lot of times, that comes through living for ourselves. It's a clear open door to deception. This is what Jesus says to Peter. I love that he used Peter. Because if he would have used a different disciple, we'd have been tempted to think, see, Peter heard God, but John couldn't. But he used Peter both times. Why? To give us an example and let us know. Just because you heard God once doesn't mean every voice you hear is His. And then he rebukes Peter and he gives him the reason. And he says, listen, you want to follow me? You want to go where I'm going? Because that's the goal of our life, right? Is to follow Him. Right? Right? Yeah, I mean me and three people are convinced. But but that's the goal. It's to actually follow him he said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. Right after he told Peter, you're thinking not with the thoughts of God, but you're thinking for yourself. What's he saying? When you think for yourself, you'll open yourself up to all kinds of deception and you'll end up saying things out of your mouth and believing things in your heart that are not even close to true to the point where you'll look at the one you just said was the Son of God and rebuke him and tell him why you're not going to let what he said has to happen happen. We think about how crazy that is, right? Like, we think, man, that is insane. No way. Like, He just rebuked Jesus. Jesus told Him, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and be killed. And He told Him, no way. I will never let that happen to you. That sounds so crazy to us. Come on. It's not that far-fetched. How many of us have done some pretty crazy things in our lives? said some pretty crazy things in our lives because we were thinking about ourselves first. Because we were trying to protect ourselves because we wanted to make sure we had our place. We didn't want to lose our seat in the, at the, in the kingdom. We didn't want to lose our influence. We wanted a position of power. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves doing really crazy things and ignoring the voice that we heard so clearly speak just before. And giving ourselves, and the problem is, is this is the, what we're going to talk about next week, giving our voice to the enemy. Because Jesus looked at Peter and said, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. What was he saying? Peter, when you give yourself to the voice of the enemy and you open your mouth and he comes out, it's an offense and a stumbling block to people. And when we are living for ourselves, we'll open our mouths and we'll give our voice to somebody else other than him. And the things that come from our mouth will sound a lot like the things that come from the mouth of the accuser rather than the mouth of of God. So I just want to ask us just to take a second as as we close up. And just ask ourselves, like, what, what voice are we listening to? What's the most important voice in my life? If I'm being honest, who's the most important part of my story? Of my day? When I wake up in the morning, is my focus for that day the kingdom? Is it the Father? Is it God? What can I do to love people today? Or is it how can I get what I want today? And just be real honest about it. Nothing changes without us being honest with ourselves. We can put on a good face. We can deceive people and sometimes even deceive ourselves, but nothing really changes until we're honest with ourselves about why we're alive. And we're the only ones that really know that. Jesus, You said that it would be hard to follow You, impossible to follow You, without denying ourselves. God, I ask that you just show us right now places where we, through selfish ambition, through things that we haven't given up, God, even with a good heart, Father, things that would keep us from hearing Your voice and open us to hear the voice of the enemy. I pray that You'd show these things to us. I pray that Your voice would be the voice that we hear. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would listen to You That we would lean on You to guide us into all truth. We would never let spiritual truth that we receive just be information that's stored, but we would become revelation that would actually transform our lives. That it would change the way that we think. That it would change the way that we see. That it would change the way we speak to ourselves, God. God, change that dialogue inside of us. Let our words line up with Your words, God. Let the things that we say about ourselves and to ourselves, the way we see ourselves, begin to change, God, so that we begin to see ourselves the way You see us. Believe about ourselves the things that You believe about us. And I thank You for that in Jesus' name. Amen.